section seven of china japan and the islands of the pacific this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. recording by jim locke floyd virginia the world's story volume one china japan and the islands of the pacific edited by eva march tapan section seven the story of confucius by rev a w loomis five forty nine to four seventy six b c confucius as a sage and religious teacher is regarded by his countrymen as the greatest man china has produced he was unquestionably an extraordinary man remarkable in the influence he exercised over his countrymen when alive and the still greater influence he has ever since exercised by his writings confucius was born about five hundred and forty nine years before christ in the kingdom of lu a portion of northeastern china nearly corresponding with the modern province of shantung at that time china was divided into nine independent states and it was not till three centuries later that it was united into one kingdom from his earliest years confucius was distinguished by an eager pursuit of knowledge from his father who was prime minister of the state in which he lived he inherited a taste for political studies but being left an orphan when still but a child he was educated for the most part in retirement by his mother ching and his grandfather koumtsi the anecdotes which are related of his boyhood tend to show that he was distinguished by those qualities most highly esteemed by his countrymen and afterwards most strictly enforced by himself a profound reverence for his parents and ancestors and for the teaching of the ancient sages Kuamtsi, his grandfather says one of his biographers was one day sitting absorbed in a melancholy reverie in the course of which he fetched several deep sighs the child observing him after some time approached and with many bows and formal reverences spoke thus if i may presume without violating the respect i owe you sir to inquire into the cause of your grief i would gladly do so perhaps you fear that i who am descended from you may reflect discredit on your memory by failing to imitate your virtues his grandfather surprised asked him where he had learned to speak so wisely from yourself sir he replied i listen attentively to your words and i have often heard you say that a son who does not imitate the virtues of his ancestors deserves not to bear their name the position which his father had held in the state seems to have inspired confucius at an early age with a desire to distinguish himself in moral and political studies and prompted him to investigate the early history of his country he laboured zealously to fit himself for filling offices of high political trust and in his endeavours to master the learning of the early sages he was ably assisted by his grandfather 
he married at nineteen years of age and is said to have divorced his wife a few years afterwards when she had given birth to a son that he might devote himself without interruption to study but owing to the general contempt of women in the east the subject is only slightly alluded to by his biographers he entered upon political employment at twenty years of age as superintendent of cattle an office probably established that the revenue might not be defrauded and necessary where much of it was paid in kind in this situation his reverence for antiquity and the ancients did not prevent confucius from attempting reforms and checking long-established abuses under his administration men who were dishonest were dismissed and a general inquiry was set on foot with a view to the reformation of all that was unworthy or pernicious the activity of confucius brought him into favour with his sovereign and he was promoted to the distribution of the grain an office of which it is not easy to discover the nature whatever were his duties however the energy that confucius displayed was extremely distasteful to his colleagues he was now in the vigorous manhood of thirty-five and the eyes of the nation were turned to him as their future prime minister when a revolution occurred in the state which drove him from power deprived of his office he wandered for eight years through the various provinces of china teaching as he went but without as yet making any great impression upon the mass of the people he returned to loo in his forty-third year his enemies during those eight years had gradually lost their authority and he was again employed in political offices of trust and responsibility immorality prevailed at this time to a frightful extent confucius set himself up fearlessly as a teacher of virtue his admonitions were not thrown away and having gained the approbation of the king a few years after his return from exile he was appointed prime minister with almost absolute authority the enemies of order and virtue excited troubles on his elevation but confucius sternly repressed the symptoms of dissatisfaction and though of compassionate disposition he did not hesitate to resort to capital punishment when necessary to rid himself of his enemies reformation made rapid strides in the territories of loo the nobles became more just and equitable the poor were not oppressed as before roads bridges and canals were formed the food of the people says his biographer was the first care it was not until that had been secured in abundance that the revenues of the state were directed to the advancement of commerce the improvement of the bridges and highways the impartial administration of justice and the repression of the bands of robbers that infested the mountains for four years he steadily persevered in his endeavours until lu began to be regarded as a model state by the surrounding kingdoms at length however a strong party rose against the sage and at the age of fifty-seven he was driven once more from his native state to wander as a teacher through the different provinces of china on leaving lu confucius first bent his steps westward to the state of wai situate about where the 
present provinces of chile and honan adjoin he was now in his fifty-eighth year and felt depressed and melancholy as he went along he gave expression to his feelings in verse fain would i still look towards loo but this quai hill cuts off my view with an axe i'd hew these thickets through vain thought gainst the hill i naught can do and again through the valley howls the blast drizzling rain falls thick and fast homeward goes the youthful bride o'er the wild crowds by her side how is it o azure heaven from my home i thus am driven through the land my way to trace with no certain dwelling-place dark dark the minds of men worth in vain comes to their ken hasten on my term of years old age desolate disappears it was only by concealment and disguise that the life of the exiled prime minister was preserved for twelve years he wandered from province to province at first harassed persecuted hunted but after a while allowed to travel unmolested a faithful little band of disciples collected around him in his wanderings and their numbers as time advanced might soon be counted by thousands seventy-two of these we are told were particularly attached to him but only ten of them were truly wise with these ten he finally retired at the age of sixty-nine to a peaceful valley in his native province where in the midst of his disciples he passed a happy literary period of five years in collating and annotating the works of the ancients these sacred books have been for twenty-three centuries the fountains of wisdom and goodness to all the educated of china they are the works in which every student must be a proficient ere he can hope to advance in the political arena and for twenty-three centuries have had an incalculable influence on a third of the human race his life was peacefully concluded in the midst of his friends at the age of seventy-three in the valley to which he had retired five years previously a few days before his death he tottered about the house singing out tai shan kai tui hu lian mu ki kwai hu chi jin ki wai hu the great mountain is broken the strong beam is thrown down the wise man has decayed he died soon after leaving a single descendant his grandson tsitsi through whom the succession has been transmitted to the present day during his life the return of the jews from babylon the invasion of greece by xerxes and the conquest of egypt by the persians took place posthumous honours in great variety amounting to idolatrous worship have been conferred upon him his title is the most holy ancient teacher kungtsi and the holy duke in the reign of kangji two thousand one hundred and fifty years after his death there were eleven thousand males alive bearing his name and most of them of the seventy-fourth generation being undoubtedly one of the oldest families in the world 
in the sacrificial ritual a short account of his life is given which closes with the following paean confucius confucius how great is confucius before confucius there never was a confucius since confucius there never has been a confucius 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 how great is confucius the peaceful valley in which he died has been for all succeeding ages a sacred spot a spot of pilgrimage for the learned and the superstitious and the chinese of eighteen sixty seven amid conflicting buddhism taoism and roman catholicism still point with reverence to the tomb of their great sage in the province of shantung End of section seven this recording is in the public domain